Welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco Sunday Morning Worship Service Podcast. For more information or downloads of previous audio services, go to uusf.org. While you're there, check out our monthly newsletter, Weekly Flame, and much, much more. The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org. As uh, Vanessa mentioned in her kind welcome and introduction, I uh, took her to see a play called Test Match about cricket. And the fact that she invited me to participate in this service after we saw that play, (laughs) I take as a sign that she has forgiven me. I want to ask uh, you to sing a song. It's a very simple song. The words are very easy for you to remember. They are, over my head, I hear music in the air. Over my head, I hear music in the air. Over my head, I hear music in the air. There must be a God somewhere. Now, I know some of you are going to want to sing there might be a god somewhere (laughs) and some of you are going to want to sing there is definitely not a god there are only scientifically explainable natural phenomena somewhere (laughs) but the words are there must be a God somewhere. It is, after all, only a song, not a theological statement of belief. (laughs) More than that, I'm going to ask you to stand and sing this song, and in good style, you have to do this. (laughs) And when we get to their must, there's a clap between the must be a god somewhere and shannon yeah she's our ringer mm-hmm. is yeah, very we'll, we'll kind do you know this yeah. song shannon oh dear you don't know this song so the tune oh, the tune wow. roughly is over, over my, my head, head i hear music in the air over my head this is only a practice i hear music in the air Over my head, I hear music in the air. There must be a God somewhere. Oh, it's a great hymn, and that's totally off-key, but 
Anyway, well, <laughs> I just have to give it its due. I just have to give it its due. Then I suggest right. you follow Shannon. <laughs> but she, and you uh, have to smile and look yeah, as if you're enjoying uh, this and it's not causing you pain. If there are choir singers who know this, yeah, come on down. Uh, over my head, I hear music in the air. Over my head, I hear music in the air. Over my head, I hear music in the air. Be a god somewhere. Are we going uh, on? That's it. Oh. <laughs> You're all very good sports, thank you. I want to tell you about a conversation I had some while ago while I was still in England. It's a conversation which has been repeated many times throughout my uh, time as a minister. She was, the woman I was in conversation with was an active member of her local Church of England congregation and she was quizzing me about Unitarianism. In the UK it's only Unitarianism, Universalism never took root there. Anyway, she was asking me the usual questions. Who are we? Where do we come from? What are we all about? The usual stuff. You know, sometimes I really think life would be a lot easier if I was just a Methodist or <laughs> an accountant or <laughs> anything that would be instant conversation killers. But no, you're a Unitarian. Oh, what's that? And so you have to try to explain to people, most of them kindly, well-meaning folk, that what is important to us, what binds us together, is not what we believe in common, but what we love and give our hearts to in common. So there I was trying to explain all of this as best I could to this good, intelligent person when there was a sudden look of kind of almost horror on her face when she asked the inevitable big question. But you do believe in God, don't you? You know, I've been a Unitarian all of my years, a minister for the past 409 of them, I have letters after my name showing that I've studied theology and so I'm probably not entirely ignorant on the subject. And yet, still, I'm never sure how to answer that question. Frankly, I'm often not even sure what the question means. Do I believe in God? Do I believe in God? The question is asked as if yes or no are the only alternatives. As if my answer would put me into one camp or the other. 
As if were my answer yes, well then it's okay that I'm in church. Were my answer no, somehow I'm an imposter. But I don't know what the question means. Especially I don't know what it means when I'm asked by the sort of person who has not darkened a church's door for ages but who for reasons best known to themselves somehow wants to justify themselves often with a statement like well you know of course I believe in God but you know I don't need to go to church you know I worship my God in my own way Oh, which may, might that be? I privately wonder to myself, is it in bed with a coffee and the Sunday papers? Is it watching the game? Is it at the mall or some other cathedral of consumerism? And if I'm feeling mischievous, I might reply, oh, that's interesting. You believe in God, but don't go to church. I go to church but don't believe in God. <laughs> so let's try to unpack it a little. Do I believe in God? Does the question mean, do I believe that there is a being which exists in some separate time-space reality who is God, like Zeus on Mount Olympus. And from that separate time-space reality, this God observes the world, responds to it, makes things happen, once decided that things had got into such a mess that he sent his son, where that son came from is a puzzle we shall leave aside for now, but sent this son to earth to sort things out in a heroic and sacrificial way. Do I believe that such a being, that there is such a being that exists? No, I don't. I understand that that is the God that some people do believe exists, but I don't. I also understand why and how such a belief came into being in a pre-scientific age. It certainly made sense in a pre-scientific age when God or gods were in charge of everything and made sense of everything otherwise beyond our human comprehension. The God of modern thought does not live on Mount Olympus as did Zeus but in the sky. Yet, no amount of air travel or space exploration has been able to locate exactly where. I also understand that it's not just about scientific explanation or lack of, it's also about a sense of control. When we feel utterly that we are not in charge, there are, we are prey and vulnerable to forces beyond our control, God is a way of expressing the sense that at least there is something, someone, some being that does have control. You know, 30 plus years ago when I was in my first ministry, I set myself a project for Lent. 
I set myself the task of reading the book, Does God Exist? by the Swiss theologian Hans Kung. This is a 600-page doorstopper of a book. It's pretty dense, but it was readable. And in it, Kung, himself a Catholic, but barely clinging on by his fingernails to the Catholic Church without being kicked out for his heretical views, Kung examines the history of God, all of the arguments about God's existence, the ontological, the theological, the cosmological, and other such fancy multisyllabic words. And finally, Kung comes to the conclusion it makes absolutely no sense to talk about God existing. Why? Because the term existence can be used only with reference to something that is real, something in time and space. This pulpit exists, but love does not exist, says Kung. Beauty does not exist, truth does not exist, nor goodness. They are concepts which we experience in life, but they do not exist. The reality is our experience, not that which we experience. And neither does God exist, says Kung, unless you warp the meaning of the term existing to such an extent that it ceases to be meaningful. You know, I read that book, I did get through it in, within Lent, and it made me admire Hans Kung enormously. Nothing is more certain to make me admire somebody else's intelligence than that they should agree with me. <laughs> so do I believe that there is a being called God? that God exists. No, I don't. I'm not even agnostic about it. I don't even want to place an each-way bet on it. I'm willing to say with absolute and categorical assurance there is no God, and I don't care who knows it. <laughs> but, I am not an atheist. I don't like the word atheist. I don't want to be called an atheist because, you see, when asked, do you believe in God, the short answer is no. See above. But the longer and more interesting and so much more important answer is yes. Because believing in God is not a rational thing. It's not about believing that something is the case, an intellectual proposition which is verifiably true. Do I believe that the sun will rise in the east tomorrow morning? Yes, I do. If I get up early enough tomorrow morning, I'll be able to see whether that belief has been verified. 
There are other beliefs which are not verifiable in the same way, but are matters of personal judgment, prejudice. I might have an opinion about something, you might have an opinion different from mine about that same issue. Who is right? Who can say? There might be arguments in both camps. But God is not like that. God is not an either or. We can never know for sure whether or not God exists. And in any case, who cares if such a God exists? I don't. But I do believe in God with all my being. Given the season that we have just been through, I want to conduct a quick straw poll here. Hands up, those of you who believe in Santa Claus. Come on, don't be shy. The thing is, I do. Now, do I believe that there is a jolly fat man in a red suit sporting a fluffy white beard who's now resting back at the North Pole, but who every Christmas Eve kisses Mrs. Claus goodbye at their cozy home, boards his sleigh with eight reindeer, whizzes around the world going down every chimney, snacking on cookies and milk in every household, leaving not only presents under the tree for those children who have been well behaved during the year, but also has time to write little appreciative notes for the hospitality. Well, actually, no, I don't. I do remember the awful Christmas when I learned that awful truth, but I was 43 years old at the time. <laughs> But do I believe in Santa Claus? You bet your boots. Am I away with the fairies? Do I observe, do I deserve the dripping contempt of the likes of Dawkins and other strident atheists, atheists for my infantile naivete? Perhaps. But perhaps you know about this letter written by a mother to her questioning daughter. No, this is not. Dear Virginia, this is Dear Lucy. Dear Lucy, thank you for your letter. You asked a very good question. Are you Santa? I know you've wanted the answer to this question for a long time, and I've had to give it careful thought to know just what to say. The answer is no. I'm not Santa. There is no one Santa. I am the person who fills your stockings with presents, though. I also choose and wrap the presents under the tree the same way my mum did for me and the same way her mum did for her. And yes, Dad does help too. I imagine you will someday do this for your children. And I know you will love seeing them run down the Christmas magic stairs on Christmas morning. You will love seeing them sit under the tree, their small faces lit with Christmas lights. This won't make you Santa, though. Santa is bigger than any person, and his work has gone on longer than any of us have lived.
What he does is simple, but it is powerful. He teaches children how to have belief in something you can't see or touch. It's a big job. It's an important job. Throughout your life, you will need this capacity to believe in yourself, in your friends, in your talents, in your family. You'll also need to believe in things you can't measure or even hold in your hand. Here, I'm talking about love, that great power that will light your life from the inside out, even during the darkest, coldest moments. Santa is a teacher, and I've been his student, and now you know the secret of how he gets down all those chimneys on Christmas Eve. He has help from all the people whose hearts he's filled with joy. With full hearts, people like Daddy and me take our turns helping Santa do a job that would otherwise be impossible. So no, I'm not Santa. Santa is love and magic and hope and happiness, and I'm on his team. And now, you are too. Here I am, I'm 67 years old and I believe in Santa. That Santa. I want to be on that Santa's team. Some people say you shouldn't encourage children to believe in Santa. It's a lie, these people say, and when they find out you've been lying to them, well, they'll just never trust you again. Well, you know, the best things I know and experience in this world are not facts. They're not hard, verifiable truths. They're not things that exist. The best things I know and experience in this world can't be pinned down and analyzed, put under a microscope, given neat definitions. The best things in life are beyond being proven like a mathematical formula. The best things I know and experience are about wonder, and awe, and reverence, mystery, love. I want to be in a world infused with miracle and wonder. I want to be in a world in which story and legend are how we convey one generation to the next what is most important. Was I lying to my children when I helped them put out the cookies and milk on the mantelpiece? Was I lying to them as I wrote them a note of thanks in a disguised hand, scattered the half-eaten carrots on the snow by the front door? <laughs> or was I teaching them that a sense of awe is a most precious gift, which we adults lose to our peril, and that it's something that we are agents of, we are messengers of, we are angels of. I want to tell you a brief story that happened early on in my first ministry. It was in a small town in the northwest of England, and I was told about a woman who was in a nursing home near death 
She'd only ever been peripheral to the life of the congregation, but I was asked if I would go and visit her. So I did, and I confess that the, it was a chore, and the main reason I went to visit her was that I could, so that I could tell people that I had been to visit her. I, it was a cold, raw February day. I rode my bicycle to the hospital and uh, went from the cold February outside weather into this overheated, stuffy ward. The inevitable happened. I immediately started to fall asleep. This woman was barely uh, conscious, barely aware of my presence. And the two thoughts going through my mind were, how can I keep myself awake in this overstuffed room? How long do I have to stay before it's okay before I leave? I tell you that because I want to assure you I was not being a very good pastoral presence. I was not dis dispensing with pastoral bromides and platitudes from the great fund of such things that I had at my fingertips. When I decided it was finally time for me and okay for me to leave, I made to leave and she grasped my hand, looked at me and said, when you are with me, I feel the presence of God. Let me repeat how unpresent I had actually been to make the larger point that we are the messengers of that which is beyond our ability to explain or define. We Unitarian Universalists, we have this broad spectrum of theological belief from sort of highly rational humanism to the ultra woo-woo, <laughs> from progressive Christianity to drawing on whatever faith tradition might inspire us. But whatever our intellectual framework might be, I put it to you that we are agents, angels, and messengers of that which is beyond our comprehension to know and to name. So I believe in God. I believe in all that that simple three-letter word evokes and connotes. It's about what we give our hearts to, not what we give intellectual assent to in our minds. I believe in that which transcends the littleness of my own fleeting life. I believe in the connection that I experience with all that is, that the, the word God is a poetic but ever inadequate shorthand way of expressing. I believe in God not as a separate being out there, but because I want the divine, the mysterious, the wonderful, to be an intrinsic part of what it means for me and you to be human. I want to be on God's team. Why? 
because it makes my life worth the living, because though I am certainly mortal, it makes me part of that which is eternal, because though I am finite, it connects me to the infinite, because though I see a world broken and bruised, it reassures me with the constant vision of what might yet be. Because though I am tempted and seduced by all of life's distractions, because it's so easy for me to fall short of my own best aspirations, it aligns me in a true direction as a magnet aligns iron filings. Do I believe that God exists? No, I don't. Do you? Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. <laughs> but do I believe in God and all that God means in this marvelous, magical, mysterious world as it is and as it yet might be? Oh yes, I certainly do. I hope you do too. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast of the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco Sunday Morning Worship Service. For more information or downloads of previous audio services, go to uusf.org. While you're there, check out our monthly newsletter, weekly flame, and much, much more.